0: Let us begin this morning's sermon with prayer. Gracious Lord, you call us to share your word with the world around us, but this is intimidating for us because we fear rejection and persecution. Therefore, we ask you to use the words of today's sermon to uplift and encourage us so that we may be your messengers as you present the opportunities for us to share your word in law and gospel. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been highlighting, if you will, the peaks of Jesus' ministry Man, mankind fell into sin. We cannot keep the law. We are sinners. We can only lead further to our own damnation. So at Christmas, we celebrated our Lord and Savior taking on human flesh, that he could live his life perfectly for us. We celebrated his uh, anointing when he's an adult and begins his public ministry where God the Father speaks. This is his baptism and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. The name Christ means anointed one. And it shows he's the one God anointed to be our Savior. Not you, not I, not our neighbor, Jesus. He begins his public ministry. He's led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit and withstands temptations by the devil that you and I could not stand up to. He never sins in thought, word, or deed. After that, he goes by and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John, several of his disciples follow Jesus He's called five to six of his disciples as he goes up to that wedding feast in Canaan, does that first public miracle where he turns the barrels of water into wine. A little bit more time, then he heads down to Jerusalem for the Passover and has that conversation with Nicodemus, John chapter 3, which includes John three sixteen that spells it out. We're sinners. We can't save ourselves. God was perfect in our place. God died in our place. God rose in our place. And that's how we're saved, trusting in him. After that, he heads north again. Along the way, he stops and visits that Samaritan woman in the well. And we find him then in his own hometown, in the very synagogue that he probably grew up learning the word of God. And I mentioned last week that it was the custom, if you had a rabbi or an expert in the law, you would give them the opportunity to expound upon the scriptures. This would form later what is our modern day sermon. So he reads that prophecy of Isaiah and he says to them, Today in your hearing, the Scriptures are fulfilled. So you would think the people would rejoice, right? Oh, thank God, I can't keep this. They had all those ceremonial laws to remind them they needed a Savior. They were unclean. Couldn't help but be unclean. This is the one that fulfills it. How wonderful. Except for instead they got hung up. Wasn't this the carpenter's son? Never mind the fact that he never sinned against me get upset. They figure they get what he's calling himself, so they figure he's blaspheming, right? And they thank him by trying to push him off a cliff. Jesus, who normally hides his godhood, shows us there's a subtle miracle there that we miss when we just read it. You don't get a mob that's about ready to kill a guy, all of a sudden just disperses. The guy walks through him, and Jesus moves on. I mention this to show that They rejected our Savior himself. Most did. Most don't want to face the fact that they are sinners and cannot save themselves and see the wonderful gift of God. And so when God sends us to work, we should expect to be rejected. They rejected our master. And today, as we look at God's calling, Jeremiah the prophet, we see we work for the Lord. God calls us to work, but we often feel too naive to work. And yet God equips us for the work. Therefore, we need not be intimidated. Our text for our sermon is Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4-10. through 10. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of our Lord. Jeremiah did not have what, by earthly standards, would be considered a glorious ministry. He is considered one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. But he didn't have a mega church. He didn't have people converting in droves like the apostles did on Pentecost Sunday. He had a ministry that time and time again was rejected. Why? He had the message from God you have rejected me so many times and broke the covenant we made on Mount Sinai generations ago that I've had enough. This is it. I'm lifting my hand and the Babylonians are going to come and discipline you. They will be my chastening rod. And the false prophet spoke up and said, "Oh bosh! don't listen to Jeremiah. And Nebuchadnezzar came. And he hauled off the cream of the crop, men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there was Jeremiah telling them, you've missed it. God gave you a gentle backhand. Listen, repent. And the false prophets said, oh no, we still got God's temple. And and they rebelled against the Babylonians. And the Babylonians came in and left no two stones standing in the city. The temple, the wall, everything destroyed. So Jeremiah would have a pretty miserable ministry. But in that ministry... He also had the privilege of showing hope for those that did trust the Lord, for those that did repent. And there are many times Jesus quotes Jeremiah as proof that Jesus is the Messiah who fulfills Scripture, that he is the Savior. And so we look at this call and see just as Jeremiah was called to work for the Lord, we're called to different circumstances, but we too are called to work for the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, even before I began forming you in the belly and before you came out of the womb, I set you apart for my holy purposes of being a prophet to give you as a prophet to the nations. This would give two words of comfort for Jeremiah. First and foremost, Jeremiah was a believer. We often miss that, that Jesus tells us time and time again, Ephesians chapter one tells us. God predestined you to believe. That means God, before he said, let there be light, knows all things, planned out everything, made sure there would be someone to share his word with you so that the Holy Spirit would enter your heart and you would believe. Jeremiah, born in the nation that had the, the scrolls, the word of the Lord, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. God had planned his salvation, but above and beyond that, God told him, I planned, before I knit you even in the womb, for you to be my prophet at this time, at this hour. And that would have to give Jeremiah comfort because he preached a lot of strong law that was often rejected. In fact, at one time it was embraced so well that they had him thrown into a well and he sank down into his armpits into the muck at the bottom of that well. So he'd say, gee, what am I doing wrong? The people aren't listening. God has assured me, that He called me for this. God has called you and I to work as well. First and foremost, it's a wonderful comfort for us to hear that God had planned for you to hear the good news of salvation, that He had planned the circumstances that the Holy Spirit would enter your heart and you would believe in Him. You would trust in Him for your salvation. And when you do trust in Him... As we're told in 1 Peter, you become one of the bricks that make up the temple of the Lord. But you're also a priest that serves the temple of the Lord. And there is your calling. God doesn't call us all to be apostles or prophets or pastors or teachers. But everyone who trusts in Jesus for salvation have been given an endless supply of his blood. And that's how you function as a priest. You show people their sin and you announce... The forgiveness of sins. God calls you to do this in your daily vocations where you have your natural talents. And he calls you to do this as he presents the opportunities. We don't have to go out of our way to force the opportunities. You see on television and stuff, obnoxious people running out in marathons and hosing people down with water and shouting, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't have to force it in. God presents the opportunities for you. And so, and you are then function as a priest, sharing the good news of salvation. And so, just as with Jeremiah, he gets the special circumstances of being told, I called you from the womb, we see that God had planned out your salvation, and God calls every one of us to announce the forgiveness of sins. So, we work for the Lord. God calls us to work. So, how does Jeremiah respond? Oh, whew, thank you, Lord, you planned this from the womb, all's going to be well. No. Then I said, Alas, Lord, see, I'm naive in speaking because I am young. In Jesus' day, 500 years later, you were considered wet behind the ears, too naive, too inexperienced in life to speak until you were about 30, especially about spiritual matters. Seems like there's something like that in Jeremiah's time, too, right? Lord, I'm young, I'm just not that gifted. He feels naive. It's amazing, you know, sometimes we feel like those who do share the word with us that they need to be the most entertaining, the most funny or whatever. Remember, the apostle Paul preached such a long sermon that appeared to be just boring enough for one young man that he fell out the window and died. We feel naive. We don't feel equipped for the work, but that's the problem. We're focusing on ourselves. God had already given Jeremiah his answer. I called you. We feel intimidated when our neighbor comes up to us and says, you know, I have a question for you. I know you're a Christian. Deer in the headlights. Or we see that co-worker who is hurting and we know we have what they really need, but we just don't feel like we quite have the right presentation. Well, God gives Jeremiah a prophet because he felt naive too. He was starting at verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm young because you will go unto everyone that I send you and you will speak to all who I will command you. Interesting how God says that. And it works the same for us. See, God had put his Holy Spirit in Jeremiah's heart. Jeremiah was a believer. We don't like that word slave. Scripture says we're either slaves to the devil or we are slaves to Christ, to Christ's righteousness. He's purchased and won us. Especially as Americans, we like this idea of a free will. We're either being ridden by the devil or by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in our heart leads us to do this. The amazing thing is, he, although our sinful nature fights against it, he leads us to do it, and we do it willingly. It's the new person in us. When God presents the opportunities, there are times we just can't keep our mouth shut. He tells Jeremiah, it doesn't matter. My Holy Spirit in your heart you're, is going to make this happen. And it did happen. Now, Jeremiah, especially with the strong law he would need, was going to need the power of God. The Holy Spirit would equip him to do this. In verse 8, we're told, do not be afraid on account of being before them because I am with you to deliver you a declaration of the Lord. Funny how the Hebrew language says that. Don't be afraid of being before them because, you know, I've learned today, it's real easy if you send off a quick text or, uh, or an email to somebody, you don't see their face, you don't have to deal with them. You can really get away with a lot of things. And if they're mad at you, they just don't respond, right? Or you read it and hit the delete button. It's far different to stand in front of somebody and tell them, if you don't repent, you are embracing this sin, you love it more than your Savior, you are going to go to hell. It's a whole other ballgame to stand before the person and say that. Ask the apostles. They did. And they were beaten for it. Ask the martyrs. They stood before the Roman emperors knowing they were going to release the lions on them in Circus Maximus. And they still proclaimed their Savior. God ends that little message to Jeremiah. He's not done by saying a declaration of the Lord. This is my promise. You can bank on it. And you and I have that confidence. If God calls us to witness and we're going to lose our life, that just means God's decided our time on this earth is over and he's going to give us heaven. And if it's not our time... He's going to let his word have its effect, whether it's to harden or soften a heart. God promises you. That's the thing. It doesn't depend on your oratory abilities. It doesn't depend on your wonderful presentation. It is the word of God. The Holy Spirit works through the word, and that's where the power comes to work. Verse 9, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. Then the Lord said to me, See, I give you my word by putting it in your mouth. Look." This day I have set over you nations and over kingdoms to uproot and tear down and to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. This is what his word would do. His word is far more powerful than you and I because his word shows his law, which shows we're unholy. And it also shows where we get our holiness from our savior, the gospel. He put it on Jeremiah's lips. God works this way. So this is why you come and you hear the word. Because as you hear the word, the Holy Spirit is storing up ammunition for you. That he will use. So I've been in the pulpit before where I worked throughout the week for the sermon, memorized the sermon, got it down. There's somebody who comes into the church and suddenly there's a different sermon that pops into my head. And I preach those lines. And I've had the privilege afterwards of having that person say... I don't know how you knew what to say that day, but that was what I was aching to hear. That was God's Holy Spirit working. I had a relative that fell from the faith. First time wasn't even a sermon I preached. I timidly read it in front of our congregation in Cheyenne. And that relative, because it was my first time ever doing that, knowing I was about to study to be a minister, came. And the Holy Spirit worked through those circumstances to bring that relative back to faith. And I've been eternally grateful. There are circumstances that come up that I have my key passages that I always go to. "Ah, This is this sin. Here we go. And then sometimes I've had where a person comes and, and comes, talks to me, Pastor, i got a question, and I can't think of my key passage that's always there, ready, like a loaded gun. Now, afterwards, I walk away and go, oh, there was my key passage. Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? And yet the person will say later, I don't know how you knew what to say, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Holy Spirit works through you. This is one of the reasons we come to the word to hear our our sins are forgiven, but to also learn the word. And we don't realize how much the Holy Spirit then uses that as his ammunition, and he empowers us. point I'm getting at, you're not called to be prophets, nor am I like Jeremiah was. But God does call us to be priests and he blesses you. He empowers you with your natural abilities. He puts you in the circumstances and he gives you the Holy Spirit who works to say that word. They rejected our Savior in his own hometown, but others believed in him. He had disciples following him. The word is either always hardening a heart or softening a heart. And that's the comfort for us. We don't put the power of converting the person in ourselves. We just trust in the word. Sometimes it takes years and years and years, and that word just keeps chipping away until it finally fills that heart with the Holy Spirit. But today, as we see Jeremiah's call, we see we work for the Lord. God calls us to work. We often feel too naive for the work, but God equips us for the work with his Holy Spirit and his word. Amen. And now go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything Christ has commanded us. And know with confidence that Jesus is with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen.